Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware & Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with their offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alfreda, Georgia. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. This is the third of a sub-series of topics regarding how to address the coronavirus process. And specifically today, we're going to talk about the really sort of the frontline end user, if you will, of, of remote work, and that is the employee themselves. Um, we've, we've, had a, we've had a show on managing cybersecurity risk by moving outside the enterprise floor walls and into the home, and we've had a discussion on how to lead and manage teams remotely, but I think it's important that we don't forget about the fact that the vast majority of people who are impacted by working for home, from home are the people who are actually doing the work themselves. Um, and, you know, as it happens, I happen to be somebody that's been working from home more or less for the last 10 years. So from my perspective, I'm not necessarily noticing um, that much of a difference. But I know that from talking to other people and reading other people's experiences, it's actually been, been quite jarring. Um, and, and I think that I hope that this podcast will help serve as a field guide to help people make that transition more easily. So in spite of the fact that I've been working at home for a good amount of time, I, I, I certainly do not consider myself an expert on the topic. And as we always do in this podcast, we bring in an expert of our own. And joining us today is Shane Metcalf, who is the COO and co-founder of 15.5, which is a leading provider of people management software that not only guides employee growth and development, but empowers people to become their best selves. Through strategic weekly check-ins, 15.5 delivers everything a manager needs to maintain visibility and impact employee performance, including continuous feedback, objectives tracking recognition, one-on-ones, and 360-degree reviews. 15.5 is a top-rated performance management software on G2 and has won top culture and workplace awards, including ranking number three best workplace in the nation on Glassdoor. Over 2,200 forward-thinking companies use the solution to bring out the best in their people. To learn more, please visit www.15five.com. Shane, thanks so much for coming on the program. Michael, thanks for having me. It's uh, what, what an unprecedented moment we're in, and I think that it presents a lot of real challenges, and I think it also presents real opportunities. And, you know, fundamentally, I think that we as a business community, we kind of uh, need to, you know, take a note out of Darwin's uh, book, you know, we need to adapt or die. Like this is, this is really happening. We don't know how, how long this is going to be the case, but I do know that the world won't be the same, even if, even if some of the, the social distancing protocols get lifted and we're able to return to offices, I really don't think that we're going to be seeing the world that we saw before. 
So um, before we get started, if you if you can comment, because um, you're you're in San Francisco and we're in at least the San Francisco area, and we're in we're in Atlanta. California is effectively on what we would consider a lockdown. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, only essential businesses are open. Everyone is highly discouraged from leaving the house. So yeah, it's it's and we I think we were the first state in the nation to go towards this, and hopefully it's working. It does seem to be flattening the curve. So. From a personal perspective, what's that, what's that like for you sort of day to day? You know, most of our listeners, I don't think, are in California or, thank God, not, not in a lockdown state, although we do have quite a few in Ohio because of our offices there. On a personal level, before we get into the interview, how are you dealing with that? Yeah, well, you know, I, I have a, a somewhat unique circumstance. Um, I typically would work in the office four to five days a week. And, you know, little, little context, so 15 five, we're, you know, a couple hundred people. And we've actually been a distri- semi-distributed team from the beginning. We have about 50% of our people working out of offices in uh, North Carolina, New York City, and the Bay Area. And the other half are throughout different states and different countries in Europe. And so in, in some ways, this has actually been a somewhat seamless transition for us because we already had the infrastructure and the mindset for working remotely. And I think that's something that I'm going to get into because so much of working remotely and being effective and that being a, a, a successful experience comes down to mindset shifts from both the employer and the employees. And for me, I was actually already at home for the last couple of months because I just had my first kid and I've been on this blissful you know, paternity leave and you know, I leave the company and everything's great. And I disappear and the whole world falls apart. I'm like, man, I really should have stayed, I guess. Huh, guys? Right. I leave, I leave for two months and what happens? Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, but so, you know, it's an interesting one for me because there's, of course, challenges and opportunities inherent to it for me because it, on the one hand, it's really great because as I'm getting back to work, I get to stay home and be, spend more time with my daughter. I don't have to waste the time and commute. I get to be there and help in between meetings. And on the other hand, it's okay. Not only am I now working from home, I'm also working from home with a kid and a screaming baby and all of the challenges that that presents. And so it is a really fascinating balancing act. And I think that fundamentally we need to have compassion and flexibility for all of each other right now. And I'm speaking, you know, a lot of my perspective is coming as, as a founder, as an executive in a company that is leading and managing the, the team, but I'm also the employee. And, but I really, I, I am more certain than ever that this is the opportunity we've been waiting for to bring those empathy muscles, those compassion muscles, that humanity that we have been uh, talking about as an essential component to building great companies and to building great culture, this is the moment where the rubber meets the road because, you know, you look at Maslow's hierarchy, everyone isn't just focused on work right now. As much as we'd like to think that, okay, great. Well, all my employees are now at home working and they just uh, flip off the human switch and flip on the employee switch. No, people are, are very concerned. They don't know if they're going to get laid off. They don't know if the economy is going to recover. They don't know if they have enough food. They are inundated with a lot of uh, uncertainty right now. And so we as employers can actually say, hey, we get it. We're human too. And we recognize your humanity and we're in this together. And there's space for all of it. And we can still be high performing, high, uh, be a high performing team. 
there's, there's nothing quite like having to try to be productive when you're literally in the middle of what might be a horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's, it, it doesn't work. We need to actually, uh, and, and that's where I think companies can actually play a role is if you look at the triune brain, you know, this idea that we have kind of three different brains. We have our reptilian brain, our mammalian brain, and our neocortex, our human brain. And, you know, survival is happening in the amygdala, in the, in the, the reptilian brain. And we need to recognize that, create a little space for people to uh, have their feelings and to be seen in the process of this. Because when that happens, oh, okay, cool. I don't, have to, I don't have to cover my ass and pretend that I'm not freaked out right now or pretend that I'm not like trying to jump, you know, ditch out between meetings to run to Costco because I don't have any toilet paper. And shit, there's no more toilet paper at Costco. And oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, we need to, we need to have allowance for the entire human experience. And there's certain ways that I think we can actually structure that. Um, But fundamentally, I believe that it starts with a shift in mindset where instead of making people earn trust, we grant people trust. We say, we know what we need to accomplish as a company. I'm going to grant you the trust that you're going to accomplish that. And I'm not going to be there looking over your shoulder. I'm not going to be checking your logs to see what you're looking, what you're searching for on your computer, because you know, that's the big problem with people of, of the fear of allowing people to work remotely is, well, what if they don't work? What if they just slack off? And that is, that, that can be a corrosive to a remote culture. Well, true. Although, although, um, you know, I, I would argue, I, I would, I would argue that that attitude is corrosive, whether you have a remote working paradigm or architecture or Absolutely. not. Right. So Absolutely. it's yes. just going to get but, amplified. And that's the, that's the cool thing is actually, you know what this, this entire coronavirus thing is, it's an opportunity for every single company in the world to upgrade their culture, to upgrade their value system, the upgrade, the operating system with how they think about the people in their company, because you know what, like this whole paradigm of, of human resources you know, just the words, my humans are resources. They're lumps of coal I'm going to throw in the furnace and get a little steam out of. And actually, we're human beings. We're fully fledged human beings with thoughts, feelings, emotions, fears, dreams, hopes, desires. And if we can start to actually recognize the humanity of our people in the workplace, pretty incredible things start to happen. So at the start of this conversation, you talked about, you talked about the mindset. So I'd, I'd like to start with, with that in, in terms of the formal kind of content here. And, and, and that is, and, and although it's hard, I think it's instructive, you know, put, put coronavirus aside for a second, because coronavirus or not, regardless of, the, regardless of the circumstances, one day you're in the office, the next day you can't go in even if you want to, right? And you can't go to Starbucks. You're at home. Um, well, look, what we, mindset? You can't still go to Starbucks, although you can't work at Starbucks. Right there, you can't work there. Yes, you can get a coffee, right? But you can't, you can't open up your laptop there. Like, I guess you could sit outside, but that that'd be weird. Um, but talk about the mindset as an employee. What is the mindset shift that you have to be you have to be prepared to embrace and pursue as you move from 
cubicle to home desk or kitchen table or couch or wherever it is that you're going to be working yeah, from? Well, well, start by making a list of all the pros of working from home. Like just, just get present to the reality of what the opportunity actually is. You know, I don't have to commute. I don't have to deal with the, the crowded train. I don't have to, you know, waste all that time. Um, I get to not be less distracted. I have a higher chance of being able to enter deep, deep work flow states. You know, I mean, open offices, it's, it's proven. It's like they're very economical and they're great for the social connections, but they're disastrous for deep work. Right. They're, you know, br- they're brutal. Constant, constant people flooding your space. And so all of a sudden, ah, oh, no one's around. I can actually get some real work done. And so, you know, you have to make that list yourself. You have to personalize it. You have to look at, okay, look, this is a crazy situation, but what is good about this and focus on the good. And then, you know, the second thing is optimize your environment. Now, this is a lot of, this is challenging. I mean, we have employees who, you know, I have, uh, you know, one of my guys is in New York City in, in an apartment with three kids, you know, a one or bedroom apartment with three kids or something. And there's not really space for him to work at home. And so that is a, those are challenging situations. And I have a lot of compassion and empathy for the people who don't have home environments that are easily, uh, you know, pivoted to being dedicated workspaces. In those situations, I think that's when you really want to start opt- uh, utilizing technology, noise-canceling headphones. There's a, a cool app that I've been playing around with uh, called, uh, I think, crisp.ai. And right. it's a noise-canceling software that, you know, it's not, a, it's not hardware, it's a software that cancels all the noise coming from your background. You know, things like that are where you want to start optimizing the tools you're using and the environment. For people who can create more of a home office space, optimize that, create it, like, you know, put a little attention on it, clean it up, make it feel good. And, you know, because that's, you know, our environment, that's why we spend billions of dollars on designing cool office spaces is because our built environment affects our psychology. And so don't, don't just neglect your home office. You know, there's a very interesting kind of cultural point, cultural in terms of American culture point that comes to mind just through this conversation. You know, when, when I think, when I think Silicon Valley and I think California, I think of a mindset generally that looks at all disruption as an opportunity, right? And I don't think everybody's necessarily hardwired for that, but I think it's really yeah. interesting. The first words out of your mouth are, Uh, are are that you know not that this is going to be lousy but rather what is the opportunity this disruption provides i think that's really interesting well yeah and i think that it that's part of what helps calm the amygdala you know because when we're in a in a uh, fight or flight or freeze state what we can start to do to shift that is actually start focusing on what we're grateful for what what is the positive element of it. And that actually starts to change our brain chemistry. You know, you now know this from neuroscience. Like if you're, if you're in a, a, a heightened state of survival, just saying, I'm afraid, but I'm also grateful that I'm still alive, or I'm afraid that I might lose my job, but I also don't know if that's going to happen. And I'm grateful that I have a job right now. Yep. Or, you know, it actually starts to change our neurology 
and opens up more creative thinking opportunities. And so, yeah, look, this is an opportunity. I mean, there is enormous hardship that we're going to be going through. And, and what's remarkable, it's not just an American crisis. It's not just an Italian crisis. It's not just a Chinese crisis. It is a human crisis. You know, I don't, I don't know. Whether, I've never been alive in a time where all of humanity was experiencing the same collective crisis and that we actually took it seriously. Yeah, nor have I. I mean, I, th- I think you'd have to go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis, and that's before even a little, a little before my time. But yeah, I think you're right about that. And that was just the potential of a crisis. Right. You know? What, um, and, 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 you know, I mean, I, I do believe there's going to be enormous uh, surge of companies that get created to fulfill the demands of this moment. And, you know, I mean, people are having to pivot their business models. And and way that's more. This is more, I guess, from the entrepreneurial perspective. But there are enormous problems, and anytime there's a problem, there are opportunities to build companies and products that service that problem. What do you think? What do you think is the most common misperception about working from home for somebody that hasn't done it, really hasn't experienced it? What do, What do people perceive about working about working from home versus the reality? Well, I think that people. When, when you're confronted with the prospect of working from home, that there's going to be no emotional connection to the other people in the company. That there's not going to be any kind of the, the water cooler talk, the just the random social interactions that really contribute to a sense of well-being at work. And, you know, now that's not necessarily the default, but what you can do is it, it's not rocket science to start doing some social engineering to create opportunities for that kind of uh, social interaction. You know, uh, every Friday in our company, we do a thing, thing called Question Friday. And it's never been more valuable. And what we do is we take a half an hour, everybody gets on a Zoom call, there's a question master for the month, and they ask a, a, a kind of a random non-business related question, a nice breaker question, you know, and then, and then we break out into Zoom rooms of 10 to 20 people each, and everybody goes around and answers. And what you, what's so cool is you get this deep perspective. You learn about your colleagues at pretty deep levels. And all of a sudden, you're actually having this human connection. And I would say that, that practice alone is one of the reasons why we've been ranked number three best place to work in the country by Glassdoor, that we do things to encourage the non-business related human connection. And those are, that's more important than ever. You know, we begin all of our all hands meetings with five minutes of, you know, every Monday we do a five minute gratitude meditation. Um, You know, it's just, it's not just immediately, okay, here's the, here's the business numbers, people. Here's how we're tracking on our objectives. That's important too. But also just little, little micro doses of connection that remind us that we're actually all just human beings doing the best that we can. So you're, you're put in this position now as, as a remote worker. What are the most important habits that you need to focus on developing right away in order to make this a success? Yeah, well, look, like, don't just throw your whole routine out the window now that you're not going into the office. You know, create a... a sense of, uh, okay, great. Well, what's my mornings look like? What does my morning practice look like? How do I get prepared for the day? You know, I, 
don't necessarily just wear sweatshirt, sweatpants and t-shirts. You know, if our, our, our clothing actually affects our psychology. So put on a button up shirt, you know, get dressed up, see how that actually changes your psychology around this. Um, you want to ensure that there's, there is an abundance of communication, you know, the, in, in, in the absence of information, people often go negative when, you know, we aren't hearing from each other, when we don't know what we're working on, when there aren't systems of accountability built in, it's easy to just be like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if anyone is actually working. And so you want to create systems and processes that encourage an abundance of, of, of good communication. And so that's where, you know, asynchronous check-ins come in, asking the questions like, how are you feeling? What's going well? Where are you stuck? What do you need help with? Is insanely valuable because it allows people to share their real experience and the truth of what's actually happening for them, you know, the wins and the challenges. And then that allows for you to have really productive one-on-ones. And, you know, I mean, also, I mean, there's a lot of fundamentals. And what I would actually encourage our readers to do, we just released a, an article that is everything we know about remote working. You know, everything that we've learned in eight years of doing this and building an award-winning culture. And we've put that all into a pretty meaty medium article. And we can link to it in the show notes. But it has all of our best advice. So, so, yeah, you know, and other habits, I think that you want to engage in an appropriate amount of kind of, uh, you know, we use Slack and Zoom for everything. Like our, our three essentials are Zoom, Slack, and 15.5, because that allows for the video connection, which is really important, video for everything. Don't minimize the, the phone calls, turn on video for your calls. It's really important to still see each other, to see that, yeah, like I'm not just a disembodied voice, I'm actually this human. And the micro expressions that happen with the, the whole body. I mean, we know that, you know, something like 70% of communication is actually happens non-verbally. And so when we go virtual, we miss a lot of that. And video is, is the closest we can get to it until we have holograms or something. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um... Now, of course, we're, you know, one, one subtle but important difference in our current environment is that uh, many remote workers didn't necessarily work from home, right? And yeah. working from home is a subset of working remotely, but that, that presents its own kind of unique challenges, doesn't it? Yeah, look, there's, the home can be an unpredictable and chaotic and demanding place. You know, I, I, I used to prefer not to work from home because when I work from home, it'd be like, oh, you know what? I got to take the trash out. And my wife would be like, yeah, you got to take the trash out, buddy. And, um, you know, like, oh, I got to go do a little maintenance on that thing. And there are a lot, there can be more distractions at home. And so it, it fundamentally becomes also a process and a practice of self-discipline. And so if you can start to get clear, well, what does my ideal day of working from home look like, you know, and maybe that is, that involves, uh, you know, creating some, you know, I, I think, I don't know if you can hear it, but my baby's crying right now. And, you know, my, my kids with my wife and, you know, I can hear it and I'm like, oh man, okay, I'm doing this podcast and, um, 
you know, maybe the crying baby is going to get picked up by the mic and now that's on the recorded on the podcast. And you know what? I just have to be okay with that. Like we, ha- we have to have a little more allowance for some of the unpredictable elements that get introduced to our business meetings. And, you know, it's being okay with a little bit more integration between the personal and the professional. So, you know, get clear on what you actually need to be productive at home. And part of this comes down to setting boundaries of saying, look, honey, I know that I'm home, but I'm not going to be able to help with the kid between these hours. Like I need to, I need to go lock myself in the room and get into deep focus. And so personal discipline and boundary setting is more important than ever if we're going to be successful at working from home. I think that boundary setting, I think that's a really good point that it's worth pausing and spending some time on because it, it, it likely is also not going to be something that's, that simply happens organically. If you just assume I'm going to be okay and the other person's going to be okay picking up whatever it is I'm not picking up and there's no communication, and that, that, that's a recipe yeah, for that. Expectations, yeah. which guarantee will lead to disappointment. So, yeah, and, and I, I don't want to, I'm not putting myself in the position of a marriage counselor. I don't want to put you in that position unless you want to. But it, it does sound to me like that needs to be a very intentional discussion in order for an arrangement to be tenable. Yeah, well, well look, like at the office, we have hopefully a series of explicit agreements around how we're going to behave. You know, if you're going to go take a conference room, there's usually a social agreement that you need to sign up for that conference room. Otherwise, there's no guarantee you're going to get actually get it. You know, there's a social contract that you'll clean your dishes after you use them in the office, things like that. There's a you know, multitude of agreements that we have in our working environments. It's no different at home. We need to take things out of uh, implicit expectations and into explicit agreements with the other people that we live with. Or even with ourselves, of like I'm going to make an agreement that I'm not going to uh, sleep in, and I'm going actually going to get up, and I'm going to shave, and I'm going to get dressed, and I'm going to be make my coffee, and I'm going to be sitting down by at whatever hour and start my day on a positive note. Thank you. So one one challenge you, you sort of touched on this, but I want to hit it explicitly is. You know, unless you happen to be like you or me, or we've we've had kind of this lifestyle for a while, your home isn't set up to be an office, right? It can, like you said, homes are chaotic, and I think, to my mind, my own personal experience, I never realized how chaotic home is until I actually worked here. Yes, Um, you you get a different perspective than if you're just sort of home, kind of part time. You sort of see how the sausage gets made and see all the ants underneath the moss, whatever analogy you want to have. so I think many people then walk, walk back into a chaotic environment. Um, are there any other tips you can think of that can help an employee kind of gain control over that chaos? You'll never stamp out all of it out, but at least, at least manage the chaos so that you can get things done, meet your obligations professionally, and, and not lose your sanity. Yeah, well, look, I think that it starts with, well, what's your vision for your home? I mean, this is a great opportunity for people to upgrade their home environments. You know, if there's a lot of chaos, well, what is controllable? You know, is it that you need to 
repurpose uh, a room that's right now used for something else and you say, you know what, this is now my home office and I'm going to um, paint the walls and, you know, get it. I'm going to go, they ask my employer if I can go steal a desk from the office and bring it home. And, you know, so what do you really want? Like actually like open up a Word doc and write out a vision for what you want your home to look like and what your experience of working at home can be, and then come up with some strategies, like vision and strategy. You know, it's no different than uh, writing the business plan. It's like, what's the vision? What do we really want to create here? I want to have uninterrupted flow states at home. I want to feel good about the space that I'm in. I want a beautiful environment. I want to get the right technology. Um, And then my strategy is, okay, great. I'm going to go... uh, I'm going to procure a desk, either borrow one from the office or go get one myself or order one. I'm going to set it up. You know, I mean, this, this room I'm in, this is the first time I've set up this as in my home office. And I'm actually pretty stoked. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, I'm, I'm digging this. Yeah. And, and so come up with this strategy. But again, we're, human beings are so incredibly resourceful and creative. And so apply that. Get deliberate. Because, you know, one of my big messages around culture is the culture happens regardless of whether you're deliberate about it or not. And if you're, you're not deliberate about it, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to reflect some of your worst unconscious habits and conditioning. If you're deliberate about your culture, you have an opportunity to create something to reflect your highest values, your, your best self. And so it's the same thing with creating your home culture. And you know, a, a great resource for that if if you need kind of kind of ideas, and, and I have to confess over time I've become sort of addicted to this, is um, you know, there are desk setup tours you can see on YouTube where influencers talk about their workspaces and they have envious somehow you can't see a cable in it. I don't know how they do that. They must spend weeks hiding cables, right? But they have the, you know beautiful spaces that are a joy to behold. And if you can kind of replicate that, it does become an island of serenity. You can get ideas through Pinterest as well, where people kind of put up their desk setups and, and you don't have to spend $25,000 to do that. But I found that it does kind of give me some ideas in terms of placement and energy and, and, and even colors and lighting. Cause it's, we don't need to just like be like, well, I'm working from home. So I'm going to just, you know, plop on the couch all day. Right. It's like, no, actually let this be inspirational. Get some inspiration. See the, you know, I, I love that. I'm probably going to, right after this, go uh, look up some desk tours on YouTube. Um, and, and yeah, like, make this fun. I know that, that it's hard to even think about fun right now, but, but if you can insert little bits of creativity, a little bit of proact- proactive creation, it goes a long way to feeling confident and you know, see, seeing the possibility in this crisis. And it's a sense of control, right? I mean, you know, why are people buying toilet paper? They're grasping for control. It's not, it's not because we have, it's not because we go to the bathroom more often, right? It's a desperate attempt to grab control. And I found that if you can take this opportunity, as you put it, to, to, to make a, a, a workspace kind of a home with a work home within the home, I found that helpful for myself as well, even though I've been doing this for a while, but as an opportunity to revisit, revisit this and kind of make it my own kind of mission control, 
it it does give me some sense that I've I've turned this into an opportunity. I've I've, I've taken command at least of the little piece of the environment that I can control. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so the, the other, the other thing I think that I want to mention that as an as a remote worker, you know, I think that often the fear is will they know that I'm actually working? Do they trust that I'm being productive? And that's, again, I'll just reiterate the, the communication, having some systems of structure and accountability that can create some transparency around what you're working on really goes a long way for uh, knowing that, that you're seen for the work that you are doing. And that's where, you know, goal tracking and check-ins and things like that are super valuable in this process because you don't just leave it up to chance whether your boss thinks you're productive. You can actually communicate and demonstrate on a regular cadence. Um, are, are you fine? Do you, I think one of the things that uh, we touched upon this a little bit, but I think it's important. You know, one of the things that I think a lot of remote workers are now adjusting to and myself included, because I, because this has not been that big a part of the tech world, at least where I am is, is webcams, right. And, and video calls. And, you know, we, we've video calls have been the thing of the future since the 1962 world's fair, right. With AT&T and, We've resisted, we've resisted, and now everybody's now having to do it to some extent, right? It's just unavoidable. Um, and I think people feel a little bit uncomfortable. I, I don't love it because I don't consider myself very photogenic, so I have to, I have to kind of work on that emotionally. But uh, as important now as those video cues are, um, we, talked about, we talked about dressing the part, you know, um, you, you don't just kind of walk around without pants, even if you're just going to have a neck up view because you never know if you have to get up <laughs> and, and that could be, that could be uncomfortable for everybody involved. Um, right. What well, other well, things do you have to do to adapt to a video cam culture? Yeah. Well, listen, look again, opportunity. This is a good chance to get better on video. This is a chance to, to work on whatever issues, whatever thoughts and you know, things come up. When we're like, oh well, I don't really want to. I don't really want people to see my house. You know what? Clean your house up then. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, right. It's like up level your home experience. Um, comb your hair, and uh, you know, another really good trick is don't just look at the face of the person on the video. Look at the camera. Yeah, that's that's, that's hard. Amazing. I'm struggling to do that right now. Yeah, I have totally. an oversized monitor, but you're right. It's hard to do. Yeah, it's really tempting to think that I'm looking at you because it feels like I'm looking at you and I'm looking in your eyes. Right. No, you're not actually. Just practice looking at the camera when you're speaking. And, and that can go a long way. And, you know, so it's, it's these tricks of like, how do I actually turn this into a practice where I can get better at video? Um, you know, uh, my, for personal use, I love the app uh, Marco Polo um, for mobile. And it's just asynchronous video messages. And I love it because it's, you know, it's great to stay connected with, with friends, but it's also, it's really good practice for how do you get better showing up on video? Huh? Because we all need to get really good if we're, you know, look, we know that communication and presentation skills and storytelling is one of the most valuable skills in business. We're now entering a, a domain where all those things are still true but we need to do it with the 
added complexity and added weight of transmitting that energy through video and audio. And so it's, it's all just practice. Like we're going to come out of the other side of this all way better at talking on video. Yeah. And you know, and there's good reasons to do that too. And it's not, it's not just because more direct communication is going to happen on that, but also, you know, video is becoming so important on social media now. And, and you know, what, what some people do that I know that they've, they've walked into this as rank amateurs, but now they look like multi-million dollar productions out of a home studio. And a lot of that I think is because simply they've practiced, right? How do you become a great chef? You make a lot of lousy food. Yeah, right. Like, you know, one, one time when I was uh, a coach that I was working with around video, they were like, look, the first hundred videos you make are going to suck. Right. No way around it. Yep. But you've got to do it. You've just got to uh, put in the time and put in the practice and look at yourself, cultivate a growth mindset around it and just go forward. That's the only, we can only go forward as a community. There's no go, there's no reverse. We need to just go forward the past was what it was, and maybe we need to grieve the world pre-coronavirus, but then we need to move forward. We need to pull up our big boy, big girl pants and just, you know, accept that this is the new normal for now, and we don't know. We don't know how long. Could be summer, could be next year. So um, what, what do you consider as, as kind of the, the, the most important tech that you can have in your house to give yourself or in your home. Yeah. To give yourself the best work from work from home experience and opportunity. Yeah. Well, I think that a good pair of noise canceling headphones is essential because, because of the chaos of home and just, you know, same with an office being able to block the world out and move into a more focused state, um, whether with music or not with music with noise canceling headphones is really good. Um, I, zoom, is awesome. Yep. You know, you know, Zoom, Eric Yu from uh Zoom is probably doing pretty well. You know, I'm sure yep. Zoom doing some pretty good business right now. And you know, I know there's some other video uh chat out uh, apps out there. Um we love Zoom. We use it, we've been using it for everything for a long time and we're continuing to use it for everything. Slack or some other kind of of chat app is really useful and make it fun. Don't just stick to the facts. Like, and that's one of the big dangers of remote work is that, oh, okay, well, I'm working remotely, so I just need to only focus on work. No, bring in some of your personality, you know, throw in gifts, throw in appreciations, throw in just some of your own thoughts and reflections into channels like the water cooler. You know, we have a variety of, of channels in Slack. We have a gratitude channel where people just go in and, and post what they're grateful for, you know, and that's connected to the Monday gratitude meditations that we do. Uh, you know, the pets of 15.5 we have. And, you know, nothing's better than going and looking at your colleagues' dogs and cats and goats. Yeah. You know, uh, we have some goats in the family, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I, then, so, okay, Zoom, Slack, and then, you know, like, I, it's not just a pitch of our product, but we really do rely on our own platform for the more structured asynchronous communication, getting a, an insight into what's really going on with people uh, and being able to ask questions. Like I can go in and I can ask a question for all 200 people in my company of, you know, what are your biggest concerns around coronavirus? 
And in a week or in a couple of days, I get all of the answers. And as the chief culture officer of the company, I get to go through and I get to read those and I get to respond to them. And I get to have unparalleled access to the hearts of my people and what's really going on and figuring out how to problem solve and how to be of service and how to contribute to people that are struggling right now. And, you know, and then another really important piece in, in this moment right now is, is let people know they're appreciated. You know, we have a, a tool called high fives in our app where every week you're prompted to give people high fives for contributions they made to you and for things that they did. And building that culture of gratitude and appreciation is the antidote to a culture of fear and stress. You know, the, um, the, the, the other benefit to headphones too is is psychological when you wear them people are less inclined to bother you yes absolutely (laughs) even if you don't even have them turned on right um people there's a there's a a barrier not some people are happy to cross that barrier but it does sort of preclude a lot of uh of uh would-be interruptions yeah i I wonder if that holds true for spouses you know if the spouse just doesn't see that barrier well not not as much and that's the one issue i have with with noise canceling headphones at home because if she's trying to get a hold of me and I and I'm not hearing her and she has to come down two floors to come find me, the cure may be worse than the disease yeah, in that I, that particular I, case. I've been having that same thought of like, I'd love to put on my headphones right now, but then I'm not going to be able to hear the baby cry while mom is trying to get some R and R. Yes. And then I'm going to be in trouble. So I'm going to just go with the low volume AirPods today. Yeah, I think you have to live with that. <laughs> That's good. I know you're a rookie father, but you're obviously catching up quickly. So good for you. Um, any other advice you could offer that we haven't covered yet? Where I want to be respectful of your time. So we only have an, another couple of questions to go. Well, listen, I think that we do need to be looking at the opportunities here. That yes, this is a very serious uh, you know, uh, crisis that humanity is facing. And there's, there is opportunity to upgrade the operating system. We can build healthier cultures where we're valued and respected as human beings, not just as resources. We can build cultures where we grant trust and freedom, where instead of saying you need to be in the office all the time, we're saying, hey, we actually, as long as you're getting your work done, we're going to loosen some of the chains around how and when you need to work. We're going to start... granting more autonomy. And if you look at the research on the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, one of the highest intrinsic motivators is autonomy, is is feeling like I'm being given the autonomy to get the job done in the best way that I see fit. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't get coaching and support and that, that accountability, but if we're never given autonomy, we're, we're leaving money on the table. And look, like, you know, it's not like there isn't room for improvement or in the global workforce, you know, 70% disengagement. Yep. You know, what if this is one of the things that we discover is actually, oh, we can start to flip flat. So it's 70% engagement. You know, that's our vision of the world is yep. that companies start to seek out building high performance by helping people become their best selves by tapping into intrinsic motivation, by tapping into psychological safety. And that's, 
Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other conversation that we need to be having right now is how do we create high psychological safety amidst times of great uncertainty? Um, Shane, this, this has been great. It's, it's, um, it's, it's terrific to have an opportunity to have uh, an expert of your profile here on, on this program. It, I'm sure people have a lot of questions we haven't not been able to cover. How can they contact you if they want some more advice? Maybe they just want to learn more about your 15.5 platform. Yeah, well, listen, you can go to 15.5.com. That's 15fibe.com. Um, you can also uh, check out the resource, the, the Medium article, where we lay out everything we know about remote working. It's a 37-minute read. It's not, you know, it's not the... Uh, snack. It is definitely a meal, but it really gives you a ton of our best practices for building high-performing remote teams. Um, uh, follow me on LinkedIn too. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm posting videos and content there pretty regularly. That's the best place to find me. Well, that's going to wrap so, it up for today's... One other thing. We are giving away 15.5 to teams under, of, uh, uh, under 50 people until June, until I think sometime something like mid June or something, um, we want to support people in this transition, and so we are giving the product away for free for now. Okay, well I may check that out. Our, our Atlanta office has uh, exactly thirty nine people, so we'll qualify for that. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, well, and I'd love to hear what you think because you know part of the part of how we're also thinking about this is okay, cool. We know that our platform supports virtual teams really well, but how else can we? How can we innovate? How can we listen to what is needed and then build products and services? And that's what I think everyone should really be thinking about. You know, don't don't just send the like, don't just operate on the same mindset that you were two months ago. Think about what is has changed. How can I actually create value for this new world that we're in? So that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Shane Metcalf, who's Chief Culture Officer. I said Chief Operating Officer before, and that was a mistake. Chief Culture Officer and co-founder of 15.5. So much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us today. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. 